Joining you from the world famous Performance Center of LAFC in its all It's probably its glory all blown out. I don't know if they can out. even really see can it. Can they not see it? Lots of construction going on there for some new fields or parking structure. We're here, obviously the LAFC offseason. Vince you're talking Rosa, in your Max inside Barretos. voice because you're afraid that people will hear you. There's coaches all around oh, yes, here. Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. yeah, but there's, there's the business of LAFC is still going on. We have a very special podcast coming up today. John Thornton, We're general here for manager, co-president. You'll definitely want to stick around. It was well publicized. Many of you were able to send questions. We were able to use a couple of them. So stick around to see exactly what I will were. apologize. We did not give any direct shout outs to the people that asked those questions, but a lot of you asked the same questions anyway. So you'll get you'll get you'll some get, of the answers you'll get you're answers. looking for. You'll get answers. So we'll, we'll talk more about LAFC with John, but we're here. We, we do a service of Major League Soccer. We're we're keeping an eye on what's happening in the league and the playoffs still go on. And now we're down to an MLS Cup. So it's the, you're here to brag. I'm not here to brag. You're, I can see it on your face. I can't brag because I said Vancouver was going to get in the final, but I did say that we did New have York a City FC. You had a Cascadia team in the final, and you had NYCFC. That's a good way to spin it, actually. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that for you. I, I was this close, but I had New York City FC winning it. Uh, obviously, assisted by a very peculiar situation. The league has to be excited, right? Well, when you we'll LAFC talk fans about, won't want to hear that we're going to sing the praises of the Portland fan base, but of an MLS Cup in Portland's pretty cool. It's good, and then Portland's got uh, some a status as an MLS club. And look, I lived in uh, I lived in Connecticut, so I was within the the shadows of New York fandom, and it gets obnoxious. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But having good New York franchises, as is having good LA franchises, even if you're not from those cities, is good for sports leagues. It's good to be in the media capital of the world with a team, not to say that Manager League Soccer is going to oversaturate or NYCFC is going to oversaturate the, uh, the news cycles there, but it helps, especially when you don't have a lot of winning going on. So this yeah. is, when you look at a final and that's marketable, it's something you can promote, uh, this is a good one. Yeah, well, with what it could have been, you know, like uh, no, off no offense Lake to Philly, but a Philly, Philly RSL MLS Cup final, and it, we're gonna, we even get into it, John. I, I will playoffs, say I enjoyed the, the atmosphere there. Well, these playoffs have laid bare what, what we said last week, which, which was like the MLS Cup trophy is, is such a different trophy than the actual champion of MLS, right? The Supporter Shield, and again, I'm not trying to say animal. one is better than the other, but one really is 1A and 1B, and it takes a different level of skill and a different level of know-how to win a trophy that is six months long, which is the Supporter Shield, which is the best team uh, through that six months. And a trophy that is uh, four games, essentially four games. Would you crown an MLS champion by having another game on the counter? We know the league always wants to add some more prominent games. Supporter Shield versus MLS Cup. I wouldn't crown a champion that way, but I love your idea because it adds to the trophy hall to kind of allow us to diversify. I just, I like the idea of this trophy takes this to win it. This trophy takes this to win it. You can have your preference. You definitely want all of them. Like, why wouldn't you want to win Supporter Shield, win the MLS Cup, and then if they do this, our, our idea, the, the Max and Vince Cup of Supporter Shield winner it's versus... It's a great name for it. The Supporter Shield winner versus the MLS Cup winner. You, you would want all three, but I know the people in this building know that it takes very different things to win that. And I know all across MLS that GMs, players know that it takes very different things. And I think... I don't know. I just it feels weird saying that the MLS Cup they're the champion. We don't care about anything else. I just feel like there's a little nuance to it. It's a little different too than uh, what you know. You look at other leagues that have playoffs. League MX comes right to the top of the list, but that playoff is uh, look. It's wild too. I mean, but yeah. you have home and away legs. Home and it's away. a little bit more of an extensive. They used to have it where if you were tied after extra time, it was just the higher seed that would yeah. go through. Well, That's crazy. Well, Atlas. 
uh, got to the final last night mm -hmm. because, and we're recording this on a Tuesday, or on a Monday, sorry. Uh, they got into a final last night, 1-1 aggregate, because they were the higher seed oh, so over Pumas. Oh, they, they are still doing it. Because they've gotten rid of away goals instead of doing the seeds. Yes, so okay. There's, okay. There's, there's protections for higher seeds. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the end, I think they got two very high seeds in Atlas and Leon to the final. Uh, MLS, I think this playoff MLS was an absolute a sprint. And then even when you have a higher seed that gets through, you have New England saying, we haven't played in three weeks. Yeah. So it's it's tricky. And I think when you have historic supporter shields like they had LAFC in 2019 and mm -hmm. New England 2021, you don't want to sweep that under the rug. That was something to celebrate and, and give it as much accolades as possible. Well, I was curious about this, so I did a very... I still have my inside voice, by yeah, the way. You do still have your inside <laughs> voice. I was curious about this, so I did a very scientific thing. I did a poll on Twitter, super scientific. And basically what I posted was, which team had the best year? Philly? For, uh, second in their conference, won two playoff games, but out in the conference final. New England. It was a good poll. Supporter Shield winners, didn't win any, any playoff games, went out in the second round. Everyone said Philly. Or RSL, <laughs> who was seventh in their conference, won two playoff games, went out in the Western Conference final. And it, the answer should have been just New England straight through, right? No, quite a few picks for RSL and, and Philly. So it does give you an idea of where fans' minds are at. They really want that MLS Cup trophy, and I get it. But man, if I'm a fan and I watch my team for seven months be RSL and then get to the Western Conference Final and lose, I don't think I had a better year than New England or Philly. And that Demir Karlak goal that got them right in the playoffs cool story, in the last man. minute. Hey, look, RSL fans, celebrate it. It was a cool to, to rally around your team. It was fun. Uh, David Ochoa talking smack. Uh, Demir Krylock playing well. You know, Rusnak out and then back in. But come on. Wouldn't you rather have six months of every time you go to the stadium, you think well, you're going to win at home? Yeah, 100%, but it just, there's a perception, you know? There's a perception that there's going to change. Trophies over everything. Trophies over everything. The U.S. system, we love our playoffs, which we do. I don't want to lose the MLS Cup playoffs. No. I truly enjoyed and these I'm not, games. And I'm not saying we lose them. It's just, it's 1A, 1B. Okay. Let's so do it together. So who wins it? I'm sticking with my pick, although I think Portland at home is going to be... Tough one. Tough one. And New York City FC, I mean, they've... Look, they grinded through to get that victory over New England, but hey, they faced a team that may have been a bit rusty, and certainly with Philadelphia, with 11 players in a protocol situation, which uh, really hasn't got a precedent before. It's no. certainly, because um, these weren't players that had COVID. They and were just in a protocol, and they didn't. Yeah, I made it a game. And you know what would have been crazy is if they had won, they wouldn't have been able to take part in the final either, because it's 10 days of protocol. Oh, boy. Unless they had changed the rules. By the way, you can undo your uh, inside voice because John just shut the door to his Okay, office, great. So, Let's yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, it's just, I thought I, I raised it a couple, uh, I, I thought I raised it up to about eight or nine, but not quite there yet. So we'll talk a little bit about, look, LAFC and where it pertains. It's going to get, as we talked to John here, it's going to get very busy and news will be coming in thick and fast because the beginning of the new season is not that far away. The business has begun. We talked about uh, the roster decisions made. couple players, it's, it's all about keeping guys active yes. as much as possible, especially those, and we'll talk to John about that, Ooh. especially those who have international aspirations because we're heading yeah. into a World Cup year. That's really important for these guys, and there are several on this LAFC squad. Something really important that he pointed out, and we keep saying this, it's the shortest offseason in MLS history. Yes and no. It is if you're the team going all the way to MLS Cup Final, but John pointed out this is the longest offseason in LAFC history because they have not made the playoffs. This time last year, they were preparing for a Champions League uh, run. Uh, so actually, to your point, guys got to stay active. It's, it's quirky. The, the weirdest thing about our, our little uh, piece of pie here in MLS is, is the, the sheer layoff of these players. And 
it's nice that some of our guys, Tomas Romero, Cheeky, Sifu, are getting to play in games, maybe not of consequence, but they're staying active. The U.S. roster announced by Greg Berhalter, they're going to be playing here at Dignity Health Sports Park. And uh, he was very quick to say, it was a lot of these MLS players, it's predominantly MLS, a couple USL players, two European-based players and one who plays in Brazil. But for the MLS guys to get them engaged, to get yeah. them those reps, there's no LAFC guys on that roster, but Chiki and Sifu did play for Ecuador in a friendly. It matters. It just keeps you in that rhythm. And we'll see where these other guys can possibly get some minutes. But if it's not there through a national team, you find ways here through the club. But the training will certainly begin in due time and we will hit the new year. But um, it, this, it, it feels very odd because it's, it's quiet, but you know it's going to get very noisy. Well, and for Chiki and Sifu, who have been called up recently for the competitive games, but have kind of been on the outside looking in, they want to stay in the mind of the coach because that Ecuador team looks like they're going to the World Cup and you know those guys want to be at least considered to be on that plane. So they gotta, they have to take these games seriously even if they are quote unquote friendly. And there'll be opportunities. So the off season begins for Major League Soccer and uh, I remember back in the old days where the off season came, it came and it went, you didn't blink when an guys eye. guys had to go do their second job. Yeah, everything was very, you know, pretty predictable and then remember, 2007, David Beckham's coming here. Right. And those, then it became a, a league where uh, there, is, uh, there were going to be some big moves with the de designated player uh, designation. And one thing I want to talk to you about here and what we saw, that these things are not confirmed yet. These are reports here, but Vela Sarsfield certainly did. Tiago Almada, who is arguably one of the top three South American Atlanta really went young out of their way prospects. to make sure that everyone knew that that was not confirmed. Huh? Atlanta said it was not confirmed, but then Vela's, but whatever it is, we're not confirming anything here, but this is what we're reading, but the price tags for some of these players, it's something that we haven't seen. $16 million reported for Almada from Atlanta United. Uh, there was another one for Orlando, was it for Orlando, Facundo, Facundo Torres? Torres for 10 who million. we know well from He's a Peñarol player, which is where Brian Rodriguez and uh, Diego Rossi came from, but we know South America is a marketplace, but now it's becoming a it's, it's becoming a situation where it's a frenzy to get these players because they're out there. There's a lot of talent, but you have a lot of clubs. You certainly knew that in Mexico and in Europe, but Major League Soccer has really pushed almost ahead of both of them to find these good young players. So these are we're literally talking about Almada is at the top, top Almada's of at the, the top, list. And I think Facundo, whether he it turns out to be a great player, he's at the top of that I list. I think Facundo Torres is probably in the top ten too. He's top ten, maybe even a top regular five. player for yeah. a very good Peñarol team. And it, it didn't seem like, I mean, maybe there was, and we just didn't see it. I mean, there's probably plenty of reports in, in South America and Argentina, but it didn't seem like there was much of a, a wrestling match for it. It was just like. Tiago, Tiago Almada is going to Atlanta United. They almost had him this season, it looked like. And then Faguno Torres, it, it comes up. Everyone kind of knew he was getting ready, kind of primed to move. It's like he's available, and now all of a sudden he might be going to Orlando. So it's interesting, the, the buying power. And maybe it's because they are willing to shell out the 16 millions, the 10 millions. Maybe we are now outpricing those that's a places lot. that could I mean, have It is a, a lot. A return. You're hoping that there's a huge return and of you got to sell the guy for 20, 25 million? How many guys from MLS have gone for that much money? One. But it, you, the, the reach in South America has even begun. Going back to last season when FC Cincinnati brought in Brenner and Brazilian players are always viewed as too expensive, which they are. I mean, there's a reason if you're good in Brazil, but you're going to get a lot of attention. But if they get you into the MLS Cup final, yes. Tyus Magno. Tyus Magno, again, a, a guy that was part of a young group for New York City FC that they said he's going to be good in a couple years. He just scored the biggest goal in New York City FC history. Yeah. Uh, but and he won't start. He won't start the final. He won't. Tati Castellanos will be back. It's it's unbelievable to see, but they're not going to all hit. Yeah. 
but clubs are knowing that they have to kind of be on top of it. The scouting has to be up to snuff and they have to strike early. There's a lot of apparatus to be able to find these guys. The new young DP rule, which we'll ask John a little bit about as well, uh, gives you an outlet. Uh, the guy Chu at Seattle was at Grameo. There's guys out there, you hear this. So it used to be, let's go to Colombia, maybe get a good deal in Venezuela, but now it's everywhere. Argentina, Brazil, where everyone else is scouting. Well, remember when LAFC went to Uruguay, and we knew there was good players in Uruguay. It's not, this is not breaking news, but that was kind of like people were saying, you know, it might be a little bit of an untapped market. Clearly now, a lot of teams have gone to Uruguay to get star players out of there, but it's like, like you said, we're not just going to untapped markets. They're going to Brazil. They're going to the Argentinas. They're, they've basically opened up the Venezuelan pipeline, Ecuadorian pipeline. I mean, it's it's kind of cool, and it's it's you got to keep up with the Joneses now, yep. right? Like if you see Atlanta spending 16, and look. Here's something that... By the way, uh, LAFC's been always hitting the right pipeline. The Uruguayan pipeline's been very good. Yeah, they, they've been opening it up. The Ecuadorian pipeline uh, with Sifu and Chiki, but uh, Anderson Julio at Real Salt Lake, another one. They're, uh, that pipeline is pumping. Yeah, and look, with Atlanta, there is some caveats, right? Taylor Twelman's reported this, the, the dirty little secret. I mean, they have Arthur Blank, right? They didn't have to pay for their stadium the way LAFC had to pay for their stadium. It was already being there for them for the Falcons. So that's not on their balance sheet when they're thinking about dropping 16 million. Whereas if LAFC is thinking about dropping 16 million, they're thinking, okay, we also have this great stadium. And look, I know fans are going to scream saying, well, you got to do this. Look, you got to build it in the right way. And these things have to be considered. I'm not breaking any news here. These are just the facts. But it is still cool when an Atlanta United is saying, we don't care. Let's go for it. And Orlando, Orlando spending possibly 10 million on Facundo, Facundo Torres, which I've heard could be up to 14 million, is huge for Orlando, a team that literally has been sold. Have, have they changed hands twice in the past like yeah, five years? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they have. So that ownership base is saying, this is worth it. You have a lot of clubs there that are, are there's feeling pressure. We know Houston's got new ownership. They go, well, you, we got to go out and change the outlook of this team. Houston you, for you have a Charlotte team coming in. We know Austin. All these teams know that they have to make that club whole, have to bring in good talent. And by the way, I recommend everyone to start watching a lot more South American football. Watch some Libertadores or Copa Sudamericana uh, and find yeah. out who these talents who might, are. Who might we hear on those uh, games? Uh, I might be, yeah, I might be calling some. Depends uh, on how many trips I make out I was there. hoping for Nigel Rio Coker. By the way, did I tell you, did I tell you this one about, I probably did, about what? some of the names and how to pronounce the Brazilian names? Oh, yes, these are always so much fun. Was it Robert or no? Hoberch, they would say just crazy. Hoberch. So, Hoberch. Ferreira, Fajeda. Ferreira is Fajeda. Fajeda. Okay. Very good. Well, we've done the old joke, the, the Jonathan Woodgate, and Tim Vickery <laughs> said they used to say, would you gaichi? Would you gaichi? Love it. So, uh, brush up on that, and look, their, their season kind of aligns a little bit better here with Major League Soccer, and it's bearing a lot of fruit, and the league is going to get competitive. So, LAFC, if they want to keep themselves ahead of all these competitors, everyone's out looking for the next big thing. We have the next big thing coming up right now. John Thorrington, general manager, co-president of LAFC, joining us here. We'll answer a lot of your questions. He's always great in this forum. That's coming up. We're back here on Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast. Always an honor to be joined by John Thorrington, co-president and general manager of LAFC. And it is the LAFC offseason. I, I want to start by getting your thoughts on the MLS Cup playoffs. Just as we drew it up, the fourth seed from both make the final. <laughs> Seventh seed Real Salt Lake. What, how have you viewed the, this playoffs? Because it's an absolute sprint. It is. I mean, I, what I said earlier today, someone asked me the question. It sums up 2021 for me. I mean, I think to see what I will say, however, I think that there are 
especially in the East, I had, I don't want to say this, uh, patting myself on the, patting myself on the, I picked New York City. You're not the only one here and, who did that, by the way. And I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> are saying that today. But uh, I do have verification that I, that I did, uh, that I did say that. But I think they've done a, done a great job. I think the, both teams finished the season really strong and you don't have to look too far. A, a, any year in MLS, that's what's key, right? Is, is, is peaking at the right time. Both teams have. I think Portland finished the season really strong results-wise, New York City as well. And so you're seeing two informed teams. You have to, your heart has to go out to Philly. I mean, to, to work that hard to get to, to qualify, to then host a playoff game, a big game, and then just be decimated through COVID. It just, uh, that's just the age we're in right now. I hope we're out of it soon, but you, it, it, <laughs> that has to just be so heartbreaking for them. And my, uh, my sympathies are out to Jim Curtin and, and that, that group. John, I'm wondering how you feel about, because we've had a lot of conversations up here about how can we make the league more competitive? How can we make the competition structure better? So I'm wondering what you think about this. Article came out from Brian Strauss, Sports Illustrated. 20 of the last 22 number one seeds have not made it to the MLS Club final since 2011, and only two Supporter Shields winners have made it. Are we not giving an equitable share to the Supporter Shield? How can we make this better? Well, I think it's just what, what we're identifying is that we're trying, how do you identify the best team? So MLS, like if you go to England, you have an FA Cup and you have the league, right? And both are amazing, but our playoffs are like the FA Cup with some qualification parameters sure. in it. But that's basically what it is. And it's not often that you see the FA Cup winner win the league. And so it's a challenge. I don't, if I were to brainstorm ideas, like can you give the, so, New England finishes the season. They're chasing this record. They asterisk beat ours. Uh, and you say they were 23 days without 23. playing a game. Yep. I mean, like, that doesn't help them. So I think if, yeah, look, if you're playing three game weeks and they miss the Wednesday, but they're playing in seven days and they're in a rhythm, but it completely, like, the rhythm they had throughout the year gets totally upset ahead of the biggest game they have. We had a version of this, I felt like, in 2019, where we were, uh, you, we had the bye, then we had this huge game against the Galaxy, and then right away, you know, so you go from nothing, and then it's like bang, bang. So it's, it's difficult. You know, can you, I, I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> Love it. Love can it. you get, can you, could New England have gotten a return leg? Right something where it's like they have the one game and you almost give them a second chance you know the, the way the league used to be where you'd have three games in one series that's just not that's I don't think appropriate. First of five points or yes. whatever the weird thing was. Uh, that's just not appropriate now given the congested calendar but you're hitting on the the topic right all of us say and the number of messages I got see you guys did it to you guys 2019 and but it's what it does prove is it is a long and hard season. And if you put a lot into the regular season, it's, it's two have done it, carried on, and, and winning MLS Cup, it's really, really hard. I think the biggest point, though, he nailed it right on the head, was it's, it's like 1A and 1B, right? They're two different trophies. So maybe we need, I don't know how we do condition people to think of them as two different trophies, but they really are. They're not a continuation. Right. And so to me, if you were to say, and this was a part of it, is define success, would you rather be the MLS Cup 
winner have a group that is capable of winning MLS Cup, and do you design it towards that? Or would you rather say, no, I think over the course of 34 games, I want the team that over the course of the year gets the most points. That, to me, is success. And I think what you're starting to see is teams are going to have to decide. It's really hard to do wow. both. We've tried, right, and that's still going to be our aim, but it's mm -hmm. hard. Good segue. It's a good segue. Let's talk about the season as we it obviously didn't hit the goals you would like. That's why we're here preparing for the offseason. But what did you look at from 2021 that you can set a foundation on for the next season that's coming? Yeah, I think our, our season had a few different periods to it. I think we had, you know, we had a, we had a, a strong start and we felt the team you saw on the field looked like LAFC. It felt like LAFC. We were like, man, there's just that cutting edge missing. Carlos goes down, Brian's in, whatever it was. But you think, okay, it still felt like LAFC, looked like LAFC. And I would say for the majority of the season, that was the case. I'm sure you guys being you guys, and, and I'm sure some of your listeners will have seen and heard of some of the data that people talk about that, you know, someone on Saturday was saying, it was, a, it was a, a consultant group that did a study of KPIs you need to hit to be successful in, in MLS, playoff qualification, advancing in playoffs, and what have you. And throughout the history of MLS, they looked at these KPIs. And if you do this, this, and this, say five points, this is what happens. We're the only team in history who hit all five and didn't make the playoffs. So, like, that's, I've said this multiple times, and I think on this show, that's a problem, but a better, a better problem, but more frustrating than just saying, like, look, you're no good not good enough, rehaul the roster. Over. That's not what we have. And I think we saw that we were incredibly inefficient with the chances we had, historically so. And we also gave up, of the chances we give up numerically, we give up too many goals. And whether that was a mistake, whether that was someone not making a play, it's, it was just, so you combine those two things and you, we hit this part of the season where you're like, this cannot continue, impossible. It's, it is not sustainable that this, People call it luck, whatever it is, can continue, and it did. It was, it's, again, it was historic. The, the, the outlier that we are when you map us on an axis, you have to zoom out to fit us in, uh, in the grid. So that was very frustrating. And then I think, frankly, as we came towards the end of the season, crunch time, I think injuries took their toll, and you started to see us have to adapt how we play formation positionally, and I credit the guys that never gave up. We had left backs playing in central midfield. We had some of our best players out for prolonged periods of time, whether that was Eddie Segura with an ACL, whether that was Carlos, whether that's Edward, Diego going, all of these things combined. I think it was just a little bit too much for us in the end, but I have to credit the fight these guys had. And I mean, we actually finished the season in really good form results-wise. Ironically, some of it wasn't our best performances. We were getting results. Earlier in the season, our performance was really good. We weren't getting the results. So it was a, a really interesting season. But to get to your question, what did we learn? What can we take forward? I think it tells us that the building blocks are here. This is not an overhaul. This is just a, a tweaking of what we already have. Obviously, we have a big decision to make and who's going to lead the team uh, as head coach. We have some amazing candidates that we're, we're working through now and going through a, a very diligent process in that regard. And we also have the most flexibility we've ever had going into an offseason in terms of improving the players. And our scouting, our data, our staff here have been working tirelessly through a list of options that we're really excited about bringing to LAFC uh, for, for 2022. If I were to highlight 
a few individuals that, that I would say are a big part of that core who we saw take, despite the collective disappointment we had, really take steps forward. I would have to start with Fall. I think this season and the circumstances it presented probably gave him more of a chance to flourish than, sure, than is typical. So that's a blessing in disguise. I think Cifuentes really took a step forward and showed that he can be a premier attacking midfielder, defensive midfielder, box-to-box midfielder. Showed great versatility, but one of the top midfielders in the league. And, and the scary thing with him is I actually think there's still more to come. Uh, you look at Chicho, and without getting maybe exaggerating, you could argue he saved our season. He came in in summer, took zero time to get acclimated, and just, I mean, his goal-scoring rate is, was record save. Everyone incredible. loves him, too. The fan, he's just a, a he's wonderful a, guy. Look, he's a, he's, when we looked at our roster at the beginning of the year, and what's difficult is you don't have full clarity. We didn't know whether we were going to sell Diego while our window was still open, and all of a sudden you're going and getting a DP. We didn't know whether we'd sell him at all. So you look at all of these contingencies, and you say, okay, if you don't have a DP slot to fill, who is the best guy? And we all circled up. That's the guy. Uh, we, had a, we, had, we always get great help from Juan Pablo Angel down there in Colombia, helping us identify these guys, recruit these guys. And he was so excited to come. He had been the top scorer in Colombia. He was so excited to come, came off a really good season. They made the final in Colombia and just continued doing what he did in Colombia, adapted to how we play. Again, I still think there's more to come from him. Uh, you know, the result, I'm not going to say he's going to score uh, at, this, at the exact same rate, but I just think in terms of giving himself now a, a, an appropriate time of rest, but then to come back with a full preseason with our group, with, you know, the, the attacking pieces to work in a preseason, I think will, uh, will certainly help him, him and us. John, you mentioned our listeners, and maybe, is, was, this a, was it a mistake to solicit questions? We said no. we were going to have you on the podcast. We, you're you not to, on social media. You have to get media. through there a little bit, but there were some Luckily, good, so, so we solicited for you because you're not on there. Love it. Um, <laughs> look, I'd be remiss you're if I don't day. ask. Here's the number one question. Who's the next coach going to be? You can answer that any way you want. I just have to say I asked it for our social media supporters. A great coach. Great. Yes. Cool. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way for all of those people. Had to the be done. Many, Had many, to be done. Um, you did talk, so you did double duty here. You, you were with Max for a broadcast interview. I got to listen in, which actually kind of – uh, was nice to get to hear your original answer. So what I want to ask is, when you're looking at a profile of coach, uh, you spoke about how the playing style is not going to change. A lot of things are going to be similar to the way you looked for a coach five, six years ago. What are going to be the differences uh, that you're looking for that in, in this next coach from Bob? Yeah, good question. I think what I did is I looked back at our study and our process that landed us on Bob, right? And I looked at weighted criteria of everything we looked for and, and the boards involved in this and we said okay we have this vision as to what LAFC is going to be on the field off the field etc what are the characteristics that are key in this head coach and we and we went through all of them as I go back to those characteristics now I think all are important I would say some of them are while important I would weigh a little bit differently mm. so and that is to say I think now the importance of establishing a culture is different from maintaining and building on a culture. So there, there are little tweaks in there that I think maybe could land you on a different profile. Mm -hmm. I think everybody talks about MLS experience as, as an example. I think year one, I think MLS experience was 
more important than it is now. That is not to say I don't think MLS, if anybody understands the importance of MLS experience is me, I totally get that. But that is just one example of a, a factor that I would weigh a little bit differently now that while it is still important and valuable, maybe is a little bit different now in year five than it would have been in year one. A follow-up with, uh, with regards to the, the, the coaching situation and when this, it became open, when Bob Bradley went over to Toronto FC, were you surprised about the clout that this job, this LAFC gig, people approaching you about possibly being the next LAFC coach? What was that like in the, the coaching search universe that this job was open and certain candidates would like to be here? Yeah, I, ke I, I keep saying I'm surprised, but the easy answer would be I'm surprised you're surprised because I keep saying <laughs> it. Yeah, this, and again, this is testament not to me. This is our supporters. This is our owners. This is our players. This is, our, this is Bob. This is our staff. Where they have set this club up reputationally globally, that's where I'm just, and, and look, it's kudos to everybody else. It is incredible what this club has achieved in four years in that regard, that you can talk to somebody that has been a Champions League coach in Europe, and they know exactly who LAFC is. And it is, I guess I shouldn't say surprising, I guess it is just validating and affirming that that is something we've talked about being a global brand. If you talk to domestic candidates, it's that's the place I want to be. And that, again, is no pat on my back. That is just testament to what everybody in this building, uh, our owners, our business ops, our organization has helped you know, set this stage for somebody that they are very excited to jump on. Our podcast too, by the way. I'm just kidding, but it's <laughs> mainly podcast. Well, let's talk a little bit about roster building now. We've got we've kind of gone into coach. Uh, it's got to be interesting to build a roster uh, without input from a coach yet, or maybe there is some input that you're getting, but a lot of the microscope is going to be on you for that for that reason. Last time we talked to you, you talked a little bit about how you started to come around to prioritizing maybe a little bit more. And not to say that you didn't weigh it before, but like you said, maybe it's weighing heavier for you. Uh, Veteran-type presences, especially veterans that maybe know the league, and, and then possibly even veteran DPs. Uh, where is your mindset now as, as you're looking towards the season, especially considering Carlos Vela is on a team option, and I'm assuming you got to decide a long-term contract or if he's going to be here. It's not really he's going to play on a six-month contract. Uh, I wouldn't rule that out. I think every option is on the table with Carlos just to address that. And we have exercised the option, so now he is here. Um, so, yeah, what I would say is I'll belabor the term balance. I think as you build a roster, you have to think and think about the makeup of the roster. And we are different. We are not, uh, we have a lot, we have a different profile of player largely than a lot of the league. And so for us, what I think if I take a guy like Jordan Harvey and the importance he has had at this club, and maybe people don't see it because recently hasn't played every game and what have you, but that experience, know-how, leadership is invaluable within a group, within a locker room that uh, for us, I definitely see the value in. I tried to be one of those guys myself towards the latter end of my career. Um, our coaches that are still here, they know that. Our staff knows that. Our performance, have everything just guys that help build and inculcate culture, right? Those are the types of guys that we want. Now, does that mean it has to be a domestic guy? No, Chicho can do that for us. Chicho is a real guy. Murray has helped with that. Eddie Segura helps with that. But it's about finding a balance. And I think one thing we're looking at is, do we have enough MLS experience with this group to do things like win MLS Cup? 
Like you set us up on a field in a one-off against any team, I don't think we would fear that. It's the prolonged, the ins and outs, the travel, the professionalism, all of that, the high standards that, the, that needs to be player-driven, that's something we're certainly looking at. Being equipped here in this offseason, uh, obviously he's accrued some allocation money. You have the DP pending, certainly with Diego Rossi, who's in Turkey, doing very well as, as we record this pod coming off a weekend where he scored a goal. Uh, at your fingertips as you approach this marketplace here that's opening here very soon, uh, where do you see LAFC standing? Well, and if I could add just on top of that, the under-22 initiative is under, something yes, that, of course, yeah. that a lot of people have brought up, and, and LFC hasn't talked so much about it um, because it came up mid-season. Actually, a lot of people don't even know too much about it, so if you could kind of layer that into that discussion. You want me to explain the, the regular? No, no, just like what, what is LFC's um, process with the under-22 initiative? Are we currently using it, and how do you foresee the club using it as, as Max talks about allocation money. Yes, so we, given the makeup of our roster, we are allowed three, and we currently use all three of those okay. uh, under 22 slots. So that's one level of spend. We have managed our budget in such a way where we have flexibility in DPs now. We have flexibility at TAM level, which is just that, that, that layer down. And we have a lot of flexibility within the league through our trades and the funds and resources that gives us now to go around the league and improve the roster. As you look to improve the team, defensively now, Thomas Romero remains as a goalkeeper. Black, Jamal Blackman wasn't picked up on the option. The pursuit of a goalkeeper, the defense, which we, we, when we get Eddie Segura back and obviously Mama Dufal as well, how do you see that building out here in 2021? If you were to ask me now, and you actually, you, you asked something uh, earlier, Vince, that I didn't address when you said, the, the player decisions and how we're going about those. I think the way we operate here is we're very collaborative. So as many people who are here are a part of that decision. I think for me, if in an ideal world, that means the head coach is involved, particularly in the, the most important higher end decisions. But in any decision, I would rather have the coach involved. So insofar as that is possible, that process and, and that MO will continue. If the coach, for whatever reason, is not secured by a time where we feel like we need to make decisions. We have the staff here and capacity to make those decisions um, as well. So I just wanted to address that. Um, and then in terms of specific areas where I think we will look to improve, I do think um, we will be looking at the goalkeeper position and we will be looking to add maybe a piece or two along the back line. Now that is not to say we do have some really, really good defenders here. I just think the makeup and, and the collective group, seeing how we can add to that to help each of the individuals is something we're, uh, we're analyzing now. Excellent. I think that's all the time we have for John, we, which has been great because you don't get this much time with a GM. We do not, and we really appreciate it. We get a huge spike in our, our downloads, so we appreciate it. So we'd, we'd love to have you more often, but we, we know your time I, is very If you could take over hosting for Matt. I yes. love chatting you, with you, you guys. You want to be the, you could, you could run this ship and uh, it's very fulfilling. I thought you were going to say something very different there. <laughs> no, no, I love chatting with you guys. <laughs> Thank you, John Thorrington. Thanks for tuning in Inside LAFC. The Max and Vince podcast will be back continuing through the offseason and get you ready what's going to be a very exciting 2022. Please subscribe, download, rate, and review. We'll see you very soon.